Jesus abiding, Jesus obeying, Jesus proclaiming people. Amen. Sarah, thank you for leading us in worship. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you for that. Thinking about worship, uh, as we continue our series this morning on not only living in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we've been looking specifically for the past couple of weeks at this issue of spiritual gifts. And we began by looking at the fivefold ministry that's presented in Ephesians chapter 4. And last week we glanced at some of the spiritual gifts that are talked about in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I mentioned last week a a musician named Keith Green, uh, who was uh, popular in Christian music in the late 70s and tragically died in a plane crash. I don't know if there's any who were listening to Keith Green back in the day or not, but uh, has ministered to me greatly over the course of the years. And he is somebody who strikes me as a great example of discovering and utilizing spiritual gifts because Keith Green was a, a very talented musician before he gave his life to Christ. And after he gave his life to Christ, he began to use that. But he also had these new spiritual gifts. And I believe that he had a spiritual gift of prophecy, of just uh, an, an exhortation of really challenging the people of God, challenging the church of Jesus Christ to not be apathetic, to not be lazy, but to truly commit ourselves to Christ. And his wife wrote a beautiful biography of him called No Compromise. And you read through that book and you're just challenged by his life. Uh, he was not half-hearted about his commitment to Jesus. And he didn't sit idly by and allow others to be half-hearted either. He called everyone to full-hearted devotion to Jesus. And so we see someone who had this God-given talent of music, and when that merged together with his spiritual gifts, it was used powerfully for the glory of God. I want us to go back this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we continue to kind of fill out that umbrella that we've been talking about be, between the fivefold ministry and spiritual gifts and, and the handle where it becomes practical is this issue of calling. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And I believe that in the midst of spiritual gifts, these are verses that are so important to our understanding of spiritual gifts, but they're verses that we kind of gloss over in order to get to the actual spiritual gifts. But don't miss what Paul's saying. There are varieties of gifts. Okay, we saw that. But the same spirit. There are varieties of service. There are a variety of different ways to use those spiritual gifts. There are varieties of activities. Different ways to serve. Different activities with which we can utilize the gifts that God has given us. And I believe this gets to the heart of our calling. I want to lay out for you what I think is the typical approach we take to discovering our spiritual gifts and then applying them into ministry. We typically begin by trying to discover our spiritual gifts, whether that be through a handwritten test or an online test, and it spits out results that you have the gifts of blank, blank, and blank. And so we take those gifts and say, okay, what activity matches those gifts? And so again, we typically fall into this very narrow thinking of, if I have the gift of teaching, I need to teach Sunday school. I need to teach a Bible study. If I have the gift of service, then I need to clean the church or, or maintain the yard at the church. Or we kind of have this 
really cut and dry. Just if you have this gift, here's how you need to use it. But then it comes down to the ministry. Say, okay, I have a, a gift of teaching, and so therefore I need to teach a Sunday school class. And so our ministry becomes a Sunday school teacher. But then the question that often gets unanswered is this last one of, but what are you called to do? What is your calling? Because I want to suggest to you that your calling is not to be a Sunday school teacher. That might, might be your activity, it might be your ministry, it might be your area of service or activity, but it's not your primary calling. And because we approach it this way, the issue of calling never really gets answered. We found out we have a certain gift, we've applied that in a specific context, in a specific ministry, we never answer the question of calling, and the result of that is typically burnout. Because we keep functioning in this ministry setting that's not really ideally suited for us. It's not life-giving. We begin to resent it. We begin to get frustrated with it. We begin to drag our feet with it. We begin to beg God to bring somebody to replace us so we can get out of it. And, and then what typically happens is once we're free from that ministry, we're very slow to engage in another ministry because we know how exhausting that ministry was that we just got out of. And I think it's because we're approaching it from the wrong direction. And the right way to approach it might be to reverse the entire process. To start with calling. What has God called you to do? And then to say, okay, what in what ministry setting can I apply that? And specifically, what activity can I engage in to fulfill that calling and lastly, to say, and what are the gifts God has given me to bring to this calling? I believe that if we approach spiritual gifts and our calling in this manner, this is what will be life-giving. This is what will make us want to get out of bed and serve Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. See how this plays out in the life of Paul in Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, But we... But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. What was Paul's calling? To preach to the Gentiles, right? God specifically appointed him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. So what did that ministry specifically look like? Well, we don't know that yet. At the time of Paul's calling, we don't know what that ministry was going to look like. We don't know what the specific activity was going to be when it came to preaching to the Gentiles. We don't even know what spiritual gifts Paul was going to bring to the table when it came to being a preacher to the Gentiles. All we know is that Paul's calling starts with calling. God said, take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's his calling. Everything else is just filling in the specifics. Now, Paul could have started and said, okay, well, I think I have a spiritual gift of teaching. And so, therefore, I guess I should find a group in the Jerusalem church and I should teach that group in the Jerusalem church. Notice what would have happened. He would have completely missed the calling that God had on his life to go to the Gentile world, to not stay in Jerusalem, to not stay among Jewish people, to not stay among the believers, but to go take the gospel to those who have not heard. That was his calling. 
Everything else came underneath that to flesh that out. So I want to ask us a series of questions. And the first question I want us to wrestle with is, what is your calling? What is your calling in life? What is it that God has called you to do with your life? Say, so, well, teach Sunday school. That's, that's how you're applying your calling, but it's not your calling. Cleaning the church might be how God is asking you to specifically carry out your calling, but it's not primarily your calling. What is your calling? Here's some other questions along with that that might help you. What burden has God given you? What burden has God given you? What sits deeply in your soul? When you think about the body of Christ, not just this church, but the body of Christ across this country and around the world, what burdens your soul about the body of Christ? What is it that stirs deeply within you? When you lie in bed at night and you can't fall asleep, what are the kind of things that you're wrestling with? What kind of things excite you? What kind of things really get your juices flowing? What kind of things really wake you up and make you feel alive? What frustrates you? What frustrates you about the body of Christ? It could be this church. It could be the body of Christ in this country. What frustrates you? I'll share what that is for me. And I shared it when I was applying for my doctoral program and the supervisor of the program said, well, why are, you, why are you pursuing this at this point in your life? And I said, because I feel like so much of Christian ministry and church ministry is about information. And there's so little transformation. I mean, people can come to church and week after week after week and we learn all kinds of stuff but our lives are rarely transformed into something new that gets to the heart of my calling I can still remember my calling I was 15 years old and I was in the car with my father and we were coming home from who knows where but we were getting ready to pull up to the house and I was just gazing out the window and it's one of those moments when I heard God speak to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was crystal clear in my soul. And the words were simply, do for others what Joe has done for you. Do for others what Joe has done for you. And Joe was my youth pastor at the time, who spent his time discipling me. He brought me to prayer meetings. I've shared about him before. He picked me up in his van. We'd go down to the park with his friends and we would just sit in his van for hours and just pray. He would take me to downtown Cleveland and we'd share the gospel and he'd sit down with me and we'd study scripture together. And he just invested in me personally. Yes, he was my youth pastor. Yes, he was my Sunday school teacher, but he helped me connect with Jesus. He taught me how to connect with Jesus. And so God's call was help Others connect with Jesus, just like Joe helped you connect with Jesus. What is your calling? What's the burden that God has put on your soul? And what does that look like for me? My burden is that there are a lot of us as believers, and I know it's true from statistics about pastors, that there's not a lot of deep connection with Jesus happening. 
there's very little time spent in our private closets of prayer and this is what's consumed my life since I was 15 years old. What calling has God put on you? And maybe that's a question you need to take time with this week. Say, Lord, I've never thought about what is my calling in life. This isn't about what's your career. This isn't about what you do for the church. This is what is your calling. The difference that God wants you to make in the body of Christ. What is the calling God has put on your life? Second question. What is your ministry? What is your ministry? And that means, what is it that God wants you to do to address your calling? To address the burden that you have? And I believe this is where that fivefold ministry comes in. In what way has God wired you to help make a difference in the area that burdens you? So I shared a couple weeks ago that in the fivefold ministry, my primary score is in teaching. And it's been that way for years and years now. That part of this spiritual formation piece for me is about teaching people about connecting with Jesus, teaching about spiritual disciplines. And, and this has been a key part for me, teaching about spiritual formation. So my ministry isn't even primarily a pastor. I'll get to that in a minute. My ministry is teaching spiritual formation, trying to help people connect with Jesus. That's my calling. That's my ministry. And so that means no matter what I do with my life, okay, I could be a garbage man. My calling in my ministry would still be teaching people to connect deeply with Jesus. What's your ministry? What has God called you to do? You have a burden about the body of Christ, and he's called you to a ministry that's going to address the burden that he's given you. See, a lot of times what we do is we get a burden about our church or about the body of Christ in this country, and we tell other people that they should do something about it. God's like, I've asked you. I've invited you to do something about the burden that I gave to you. If God wanted somebody else to do it, he would have given them that burden, but he gave you that burden for a reason. So it leads us to the third question. What then is your activity? Again, we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, there are a variety of service, there are varieties of activities. What is your activity? What is the practical, hands-on way that you are living out your ministry and your calling? This might change. Your activity may be completely different today than it was 20 years ago, and that's completely fine. Your activity might be different today than it was one year ago, and that's fine. Your activity might change. And your activity doesn't depend on what you do for a living. In fact, I think I have a picture of Joe on the next slide, maybe. There he is. So Joe was my youth pastor for a short time. But after about two years, uh, when he left that position, uh, he began doing what he's doing to this day. He's in the concrete business. If you have an uneven driveway, uneven sidewalk, he will level that out for you. That's what he does for a living. He's not a pastor. He's not on staff anywhere. He didn't go to seminary. He's a man who deeply loves Jesus, and no matter what he's done for a living, 
He's helped people connect with Jesus. Even as he works in concrete. And now he's into boxing, I think, too. And he still encourages me in my walk with Christ. All these years later. So it doesn't matter what you do for a living. And it might change. But what activity does God have, God have for you right now to fulfill that ministry, to live out that calling he's given you? For the past 24 years, my primary activity in my ministry and for my calling has been to serve as a pastor. But there's been other activities. I have been a professor. I've uh, been a spiritual director on retreats. I have uh, ministered to unchurched people who are uh, used to go to church, but now they felt burned by the church. God's bringing me a lot of those people into my life to minister to. The activities change. 20 years from now, People may be tired of hearing me preach. I may need to have a different activity. I don't know. But for today, for the past 24 years, my primary activity has been in the role of a pastor. The pastor is not my primary ministry. Teaching people to connect with Jesus is my ministry. And it will be that way no matter what I do. I could be a Walmart greeter someday, and my ministry will be teaching people to connect with Jesus. Because my calling is to do for others what Joe has done for me. And that has never changed. What's your calling? What's your ministry? And what's your specific activity? Your specific activity might be Sunday school teacher. Your specific activity might be Bible study teacher. Your specific activity might be visiting the sick. Your specific activity might be cleaning the church. But that's part of of your larger ministry, which is a reflection of the calling that God has given you. And so then we ask the question, okay, what are your gifts? What gifts has God given you to help accomplish that activity as a part of your ministry, fulfilling your calling in life? And there's a lot of different opinions about spiritual gifts. Some people say that your gifts change over time. Some people say that the gifts you get, you get, and you have them forever. Um, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I think there's one or two primary gifts that we all probably are given. And there's some secondary gifts that kind of ebb and flow over time. But it's important to know how you're gifted. What has God gifted you to do? What are the gifts he's given you? Because it's very possible that he's called you to teach, but he's not given you the gift of teaching. So, well, isn't that kind of important? Well, maybe he's just called you to sit down at a coffee shop with somebody and say, what have you read in scripture and how can we help you understand that? Maybe it's a gift of exhortation that he wants you to use. How has God gifted you? And lastly, what are your talents? What has God equipped you with from before you were born? He embedded certain things into you. Special talents, special abilities that you would have. Not completely unrelated. They're not a manifestation of the Spirit. But God embedded them in you knowing that one day when they give their life to me and the Holy Spirit takes over, these talents are going to be useful. These talents can help fulfill the calling that I'm going to have on their life. Again, I don't believe that music is a spiritual gift, but I believe it's a talent that God's given me. 
I've used it as a part of not only uh, supplementing with the worship team here, but on retreats where I've been spiritual director, I've been able to utilize music and other contexts. I've utilized that to help reinforce what he's called me to do, art, um, even my introverted personality. You know how that's a gift? Sometimes it feels like a curse, but it's a gift because it makes it really easy to sit down for a long time and pray and study scripture. Really easy. Extroverts struggle to do that. But God's given me that personality, and it's very helpful. It's also very helpful for listening, because I don't feel the need to talk. So I'd be happy to sit there and just listen to you talk for as long as you need. So God's given me these as a, something to be used for him, even my depression that God allowed me to go through. I believe he's using that as a part of what he's called me to do. Because before I entered my bout of severe depression, I would find myself giving quick, cheap, spiritual answers to people. Just pray harder. Just read more scripture and you'll be fine. But now realizing that it's a little more complicated than just that. And I believe he's helping me to be better effective to help people connect with Jesus who might be going through the same thing. So how would you answer those questions? And again, you might need to take some time with those. The easy one might be, what are your talents? What are your gifts? What's your current activity? But I would encourage you to spend time with those first two questions. What's your calling? What's the big overarching calling that God has put on your life? And what's the ministry that God has called you to? Everything else may change. The service, the activity, all those things could change, but your primary calling and ministry will always be the same, just like Joe, whether he's a youth pastor, whether he's a concrete leveler, his calling and ministry are the same. And I believe that no matter what I do for a living, again, I, if I'm a mailman someday, I believe that my calling and ministry will still be the same. My activity will be different. But my calling and my ministry will always be the same. So let's try to make this a little more practical. Let's say that you take a five-fold ministry test and find out that you're an evangelist. And so again, you would say, okay, well, I guess that means I'm supposed to go on street corners and preach to people. Not necessarily. I don't think there's a lot of people who are genuinely called to do that. But as you think about, what's my calling? What's my ministry? And for whatever reason, God has given you a deep burden for single mothers. Because you know that their lives are chaotic and stressful. And for reasons you can't explain, you just have a deep-seated burden that you can't shake for single mothers. You know you're gifted with evangelism and service. And again, you can say, well, I guess I need to go mow the lawn of a single mother and then preach at her. Maybe. Probably not quite like that. But as you seek the Lord, you say, you know what? I, I love little kids, and I'm good with little kids, and I'm good at arts and crafts. Maybe I could have a ministry to single mothers, not only in my church, but maybe in my community where 
I could watch these kids and I could do crafts and art stuff with them and, and their single mom could just get a break. And maybe through that, develop relationships where I can share my faith with them. Or maybe say, you know, I, I want to do something on Sunday morning so that single moms can sit and sit in the service and, and I can minister to their child for them. And so in that, maybe they can hear the gospel and respond to Jesus. You could start by saying, well, I've got a gift of evangelism, so I need to go and just preach to everybody I see. But after a while, you find, that's not quite for me. I guess I don't have those gifts. And you go another five years without doing anything. Or you could say, Lord, what's my calling? What's my ministry? Lord, I can't shape this burden for single moms. How does all this fit together? Because when you find your calling and your ministry and start to organize your activity underneath that, suddenly you find something that's life-giving. Something that you don't get tired of doing. Something that you can't wait to do because it brings you joy to serve Christ in this way. And there's two key questions to ask. To say, have I gotten it right? Do I have the right calling or ministry activity? Am I using my gifts and my talents because I can say in the midst of all of my gifts and talents and everything that uh, I think I need to be a season ticket holder to the Pirates. And so God just needs to provide for that to happen. The two questions I would have to run that through are, does it build up the body of Christ? Does it advance the kingdom? Because I look at the descriptions of spiritual gifts that all of this leads for the common good, to build up the body. And I'm not so sure that as much as I would enjoy pirate season tickets, I'm not so sure it would build up the body of Christ or advance his kingdom. So maybe I'm a little off on that calling. What's your calling? What's your ministry? What activity does God have for you to fulfill that? And what are the gifts and talents he's given you to supplement that and make it a reality? I want to invite you, if there's any of those questions that you can't answer, would you take those to the Lord today, tomorrow, this week? See if God might just breathe a renewed sense of purpose in your life. Again, even if you could be 150 years old, but if God still has you in this world, it's because he still has a calling on you. Maybe it looks drastically different than when you were 30. It's okay. He still has a calling. He still has a way he wants to use you to build up the body of Christ and advance his kingdom. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.